I am Julie. And I'm Lisa. And we, together, are two sober chicks. We actually just recorded the best podcast we've ever recorded. And it wasn't recording. I'm so sorry that you missed it. I'm sorry you missed it too. It was an audience of two forevermore. Yep. We enjoyed it. We had some good solid stuff. Oh yeah. And my wife's in the other room. Did you like that one, honey? Yeah. It was good. Yeah. She thought it was great. She's like, you're just going to have to do the whole thing over again exactly like it was. That's never going to happen. But anyway, so the topic we had discussed was recovery. What do you do after a relapse? Right. Do you just go back to your home group? Because I think a lot of people after they relapse are like, well, what now? Mm -hmm. Was it working for me before? Do I have to do something different? I'm too embarrassed to go back to my home group. I don't want to tell anyone what's happened. Right. And the answer to all of that is... Run back to AA. (laughs) Don't walk. Run back to AA. No one will be more happy about your return to anything than we are in the rooms. Yeah. And we joked and said, of course, there's going to be people who judge you. Because that's one of the things that that's a fear that we have, right? What are people going to say? And people are going to talk about me. Well, guess what, honey? That's your ego. That is your own ego saying all these people are talking about me. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, for a minute, (laughs) someone might be catty or bitchy or like, I knew it or, oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. But who cares, really? Yeah. That doesn't affect you whatsoever. No. That is ego getting in the way. What are they going to think? cares what they think and the other the other thing i said was um if someone's talking about you they're gonna do it anyway whether you're there or not yeah they're still they've been talking about you since they haven't seen you at home group yes so now it'll just be something different right but most people are gonna be thrilled for anybody that returns that's been our both of our actual experience when we both went back um and i went back twice um, the reception and this, the second time I went back, I'm like, oh, they're really going to hate me now. Cause I already did this. Mm. I fucked up before I already did this. And, um, and the first time I relapsed was with alcohol. And then the second time I was like, Ooh, yeah, I'm definitely an alcoholic. Can't do that anymore. But drugs. Hello, weed. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's not so bad after all. I can partake in that. Nope. It's I'm... the it's the great lie. And it talks about that in our big book. The mm-hmm. the great hope of every alcoholic or addict is that they can one day drink like normal people. Right. Yeah. Or socialize like normal people. Because now yeah. weed is this big p- normal part of Canadian culture. It's actually edibles were just deemed legal last week. Okay. But they won't be in stores until December. Wow. So That's... we have pot legal in every way, shape, or form here. That's going to yeah. be really scary for it's parents. It's going to be in drinks, it's gummies, it's brownies, it's yeah. it's all over the place. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, that being said, we always want to fit in and we want to be part of the crowd. And, and for us, it's, as alcoholics and addicts, we have to accept and realize that it's not going to be different. No matter how hard we think it is or wish it is, it's not going to be different. So coming back, um, people are going to be so happy that you're back Mm -hmm. because we know the struggle. We can relate. We've been there. Even people who haven't relapsed, they just know how hard it was for them to come in the first time and to go through the steps and to go through the process. So, and my experience is generally people are just thankful to see you again because, you know, we lose a lot of people and they probably thought you were dead. And you went out for, you said, three weeks. I was gone for a year, Mm -hmm. both times. I was gone for a year. And uh, and then it gets harder the farther 
away you get, the harder it gets back to go. Cause you're left with your own mind and your own craziness. Like I'm left the ki- the keys of my own kingdom to crazy. So, mm-hmm. um, it is not fun in there alone. And, uh, yeah. So you come back and try to do things differently. Cause obviously if you relapsed, you were doing something incorrect. You which doing- you might not even be aware of, which is why we need sponsors and people around us. Because yeah. I will oft I had an experience this week where I didn't even know I was in the mud. I didn't. And someone that knew me asked if I was okay because I'd had a rough couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, my response was, I haven't had a rough couple of weeks. I'm fine. And she wasn't satisfied with that answer. She, she pointed out, you've had a rough couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden I started to think about my two weeks and went, shit, I have had a bad couple of weeks and maybe that explains why I'm in all of these, I'm uncomfortable in my skin, I'm having weird obsessive thoughts. Mm. So if you are coming back from a relapse and you've disconnected from your sponsor, reconnect with them and do a fourth on your relapse, please. You need to break it down to figure out what decisions you made that led you to that point because it's a very few a person where it's literally like you grab a drink and you have relapsed and there's been no decisions up to that point that can explain why you did it right that was like a freak happenstance nah yeah yeah there's usually a series but you have to be like a detective Yes. You have to go back over the timeline. You have to start to think, well, how was I feeling before this led up to this? Was everything truly fine? We have a saying, it's uh, fine is fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Mm-hmm. That's the meaning for us uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous. No, you're, you're probably not fine. Um, and the program teaches us how to be honest. You know, It's okay to say, yeah, no, I'm not good right now. Um, but I'm going to call my sponsor. You know, I have a list of things that we call them the do things. I know what I can do to help me with this. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling really shitty. And sometimes part of it is just saying, I'm feeling really shitty and that's okay. Right now, I'm feeling really shitty. Mm-hmm. But what I know from my experience is it won't last. Yep. Just like the super high good times, they don't last forever either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's an ebb and flow to life. So, And the super high good times are frequent relapse points for people Mm -hmm. because we can't do the high highs and the low lows it's not good for us yeah we get caught up in the excitement and I want it to be and the expectation of why can't it always be like this Mm -hmm. and then the disappointment quickly feeling of like who doesn't love that like adrenaline I can lift the world on my shoulders I'm in love I'm in love or this is amazing like that's a that's just as dangerous for me as like the low stuff this job is going to change everything. This new home is going to change everything. You know, something's always, if you're always looking for that change outside of yourself, it's a definite sign there needs to be some change happening inside. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I, when I came back after my relapse, again, getting over that fear, um, that, uh, people are going to judge you just come back and then listen listen and actually follow through and do the things that are suggested. Because what I learned from my two relapses was that both times I was only doing half of the things that were suggested, not all of the things. Mm -hmm. I was definitely weeding out, yeah, no, okay, well, I know that worked for you, but I also thought I was different. I thought I was unique and special and well, that might have worked for you because you're a construction worker or you're in real estate or you're a banker or you're a lawyer, but I'm this, so that's not going to work for me. Yeah. It's going to be different because of these reasons. Bullshit. The bottom line is that I'm an alcoholic and I'm an addict and you're sober and you're clean 
and I need to listen to some of these suggestions and just do them and just try them. Yeah. And I remember my sponsor was very specific that final time I came back and he's like, what's going to be different this, this time? And I thought, oh God, he's kind of pissed at me, but he was just being firm. Like, seriously, Lisa, I want to know what is different this time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, I'm willing to do what you tell me. And he goes, really? You're willing to go to any lengths. <laughs> so if I tell you to get down on your knees and pray, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. And then he told me that and I was so mad, but. And the great thing about sponsors too, is you don't have to know any of this. You can literally call your sponsor and say, I don't know what to do. And we go, great, I know exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And in the beginning of our big book, when you open up the cover and you see that circle with the triangle in the middle, most people that do the triangle, one side is service, the other side is recovery, the other side is unity. It means, are you doing your steps, which is the recovery and living them? Mm -hmm. The service part is obvious. Are you in service? And then unity is being in the meetings and being with your peeps. Mm -hmm. And if you stay in the middle of that triangle, you're usually going to be okay. Another way I like to look at unity, which is new for me, is catching um, my character defects like um, gossip, like Ooh, judgment. That's good. Um, condemnation, you know, I guess that's judgment too. Like judging how other people are working their program or, you know, oh, that person never does any kind of service or they're never here yes. or I don't know how they're working their program outside of how many meetings they attend. Yep. Um, and really it's not my fucking business. <laughs> um, so to me, that's part of the unity too. Catching those character defects that we have, telling other people how to behave, you know. Um, there's somebody that I know and love very dearly that can't sit still during a meeting and is very chatty. And, um, oh, I'm, can't. I'm glad that I don't feel the need anymore to try to control that person. But there was yeah. a time when it was like, I found it embarrassing. Like I, you should be behaving this way because we're connected in a way. Yeah. And now I'm I just totally like, get that. I got to let that go. That's not up to me to decide how other people should or shouldn't behave in a meeting. Yeah. I've yeah. come a long way with that too. Like I used to remember just having zero tolerance for anybody that wasn't laser focused on the speaker mm -hmm. because I forgot that there's all kinds in the room and maybe there's a newcomer sitting beside a long timer that wants to leave or doesn't understand what's going on. And the talking isn't anything more than that long timer saying, okay, honey, this is what's going on. I know you're not feeling okay, but let's, you don't know, Stay. or yeah. someone's um, got their phone on because someone's dying in the hospital right or there's a kid running around which kind of irks me <laughs> but maybe that mom's her recovery is so important and she doesn't have care yeah. that her kid's there that's the only way so she can get to you're right the unity is connecting to people in compassion and and love and tolerance and understanding and not going into this is an inconvenience especially as people like us who are like in their fifth and sixth year like we're in a pretty good position we should have more love and tolerance and kindness. Right. Less judgment. Than people that have less um, yeah. sobriety. And that's what I love about the peeling back of the layers of the onion, as they as they say. Because I, at the longer I stick around the program and the longer I work at it and the longer I work with my sponsor and work with sponsees, the more I learn about myself and how I can continue to improve my life. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's come up for me recently is working on judgment judging other people, judging myself, yeah, but mostly judging other people. I'm pretty hard on other people. 
I honestly believe, though, anybody, and I think I've done enough study into personalities and psychology, the people that are hardest on others beat the shit out of themselves. Mm -hmm. They're just treating others the way they treat themselves, whether or not they're aware of it. So Mm -hmm. I do, although I find that kind of intolerable in a person, I do have that little seed of knowledge that it Mm -hmm. must be really hard to be them. Yeah. Well, so that's, that went on a slightly different track. It always does. But it was kind of cool. And so um, to sum up, how would you sum up? So if you've relapsed, what we want you to know, three most important things. Come back. Come back. Work with your sponsor or a mentor. Yeah. However you want to refer to that person. Be a detective. Be, I love that. Be a detective. And uncover um, where you started to diverge from the program. Mm-hmm. What did you not do that you should have done? Mm-hmm. You know, what did you do? Uh, what do you want to do differently this time? Which is the fourth. Yeah. It's basically a fourth and a tenth. Yeah. So, and, um, and yeah. surrender. And Just okay. fucking surrender already. When you surrender and you break through that level of like self-will that's preventing you, that's when all of the magic happens. Yeah. In the 12 and 12, they talk a lot about that hole in the donut, which is our struggle with the, well, if I give up self-will, who will I be? Mm-hmm. What will become of me? You know, and how will I get anything done if I surrender? We're not telling you to become a sloth and give up all decision-making in your life, Yeah, but it's about, it's about taking action, but it's also about listening um, and asking for help and then following the help that is given. I love that old story about, you know, somebody praying and asking for God to save them in the middle of a flood and somebody comes by with a fucking canoe and they're like, no, no, God's going to save me. And then it's a a fucking giant boat. No, no, God's going to save me. The last person sends a helicopter (laughs) and then they fucking drown and they get up to heaven and God's like, what did you want me to do? I sent you all these things. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just listen and try to follow the suggestions. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the best advice. So, well, if I do say so myself, that's the best advice. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And we hope that if you have relapsed, that you're back to stay this time. Mm-hmm. This has been Two Sober Chicks. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>